Or 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13, and chapter 7, 2 to 4. Love's 10 points. Let's pray and read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. And Father, you are the Alpha and the Omega. Father, as we look at this and as we ponder this, as we dwell upon this, Father, I ask that you open our hearts in the power of your spirit, that you lay open our souls, that we may embrace, that we may be overwhelmed. We would be overpowered by the majesty of you who reigns on high. Father, give us ears. Give us a passion for you that none can dampen. And that, Father, no matter the hurt, no matter the wounds that Love will take. Let us stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, knowing that we are but followers. To your praise, to your glory, Christ's name, amen. Verse 11, chapter 6. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now, in like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. Chapter 7, verse 2. Make room for us in your hearts. We've wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. We do not speak to condemn you. For I have said before that you are in our hearts. To die together and to live together. Great is my confidence in you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. We are looking at the Apostle Paul basically explain to us uh, what I list here as 10 points of love. Or love's ten points. And um, it's amazing that when I watch what the evangelical church does today, in the name of love is not loving. Um, And and, and it's, it's like people will look at you and they will say, well, I love you. But if you look at their actions, I don't get it. Okay. Uh, I want to take you back a little ways, a few years ago, actually, to 1 Corinthians 13. It's a, it's a cute verse, or verses. Um, I see it a lot in uh, marriage ceremonies. And, uh, and that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, other than the fact that are you listening to what you're saying? Because um, it, it's, it's, it's one of those that I can read the phrases. Do you really realize what you're saying? All right. Um, verse four. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly and does not seek its own. Is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, 
does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Okay? Um, Did you read that little phrase there that says, does not seek its own? Ever thought about that? It's an interesting phrase if you think about it. Love, true spiritual love, is never concerned for itself. It doesn't do it for itself. Okay, it isn't doing it for an accolade. It doesn't do it for an attaboy. It just does it. And when I think about love, you know, it's easy to shift to Jesus. But I can also do it with Paul. I can do it with Peter. Do it with John. I can go down the list. I can go through history, and you guys know that that's one of my curses. Because I love history. I can go through history and read great, amazing men of God who did it for love. I was reading uh, John Knox, called the, a book called The Mighty Weakness of John Knox. And he was originally uh, um, a bodyguard for a preacher. That's what he originally was done. He wasn't very tall. Uh, and they used to make fun of his sword was almost bigger than him. And um, the uh, English empire was in turmoil. It was moving from king to queen to queen to king to king. To, and it's back and forth. And sometimes it would jump into Roman Catholicism. Then it would run back to the English church and back into Roman College. And it just went back and forth and back and forth. And you've heard of uh, Queen Mary. They called her Bloody Mary. She was Roman Catholic. And if you were not Roman Catholic, she would have you eviscerated and dip your Bible in your exposed bow. Okay, and she was trying to get a point across. And he talks about being at St. Andrew's Castle one time when the monarchy was back to Roman Catholicism. Okay, and uh, had gotten allegiance with the French and the French had sent their navy over to help them and had come up over on the coast of Scotland. And uh, turned their warships pointed at St. Andrew's Castle, where these men were holed up because they wanted to proclaim the word of God unfettered. And they began the bombardment of the castle. So you have these great theologians running around grabbing cannons, loading them with powder and a cannonball and lighting them and shooting at the French Navy. And the comment by John Knox was, had I known you needed to aim them, shoot amongst them. You'll hit one of them. (laughs) And I thought that his love for the word was so massive that he was willing to stand on a battlement of a castle and deal with a piece of equipment that he had no clue what to do with other than to point it toward the ocean because they were shooting at him. He was arrested for the gospel. He had to flee England. They were wanting his beheaded and he ended up as a fugitive in Geneva where he learned to pray 
by a guy named John Calvin. And you know what? He went back to Scotland because the Scottish people needed the gospel and he knew it. He was a wanted man. He was a wanted man. There was a bounty on his head. And he went back. And you know why he did it? For love. He did it for love. And and I hear people talk about love, but the truth of the matter is, love is a verb. You go through those four through um, eight, that's all action. There's no icky sentimentalism there. There's no, let's look at each other and bat eyes. It's all action. And, and I watch it today, and the Apostle Paul, if you go back to our text now, the Apostle Paul makes it clear, he says, my heart is open. My heart is wide open. I have more than enough room for all of you in my heart. It's so open that my mouth has spoken freely to you because our hearts are wide open, old Corinthians. I believe, therefore I spoke. And he didn't hold back truth. He had a wide open heart. But I want to show you something because there's something here that I think we miss sometimes. And, 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 and we need to pay attention to it. And it comes out of verse 12. And it's the second point there in your outline, what I call affections. Verse 12 says, You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Okay, the word restrained that you see there in the original text means to be narrow, to be confined, to be squeezed. Okay? He says, we are not narrow or confined or squeezed, but you are squeezing us out. You squeeze me out of your heart. You have squeezed me out of your life. Okay, it's sort of like, and I know we don't see them much anymore, but we used to see them regularly. A tube of toothpaste. You just keep squeezing it, squeezing it, squeezing it, squeezing it, and it's all gone. And he says, that's what you're doing to me. He says, you have squeezed me out of the church. You have squeezed me out of your life. You have no place left in your hearts for me. And it's not for what I have done. Because that's what he says there. Look what he says. You have not been, have not restrained by us. It isn't because you think I'm unloving. You've done it yourself. The restraint, the squeezing, the narrowness is of your own affections. It's your affections that are squeezing me out. It is not my affections that are squeezing out. And you know what? I hate to break the news to you. That's heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. The squeeze is not Paul. It is not anything that he has done. It is not anything that he has asked for. It is not his fault. And 
it's also clear that it's not a two-way street. Okay? You believed the lies. You followed the false. You closed your heart to me. You bought the accusations. You squeezed me out. There is a narrowness in the hearts of the Corinthians for affection for the Apostle Paul. Do you have any feelings? Don't you care about me? There was no passion. There was no sympathy. And you know what? That hurt is extraordinarily deep. I remember reading about a family, believers, had two daughters. And one daughter was killed in an automobile accident. Okay, a very tragic accident. And, um, and the mother and father were great in sorrow. But she made the comment, the, the, the father did, I mean, to, to the pastor that was taking care of their souls. That though that heartache was great at the loss of that child... Their greatest heartache was the other daughter because she had rejected their love and wanted no part of them. And to have that affection rejected that a parent gives to a child was this great horrific pain. She said, the family said that uh, as far as I know, I have no greater burden that I've ever had to endure. You ever thought about that? The death of a child or the rejection of a child? Which would hurt you more? That's what the Apostle Paul is dealing with right there. Okay, because he calls them children. Verse 13. But if you remember, he already said, I am your father. You are my children. He was their spiritual father. And they were his spiritual children. And yet now they had believed the lies they had followed the false they were believing the accusers after all that he had done okay now this is amazing verse because when we think about agape or agopan okay that that ultimate love it loves unrestrained there, there's, it's not moving through anything. It's, it's not, there's not a qualifier there. It's not doing it for an accolade. It's not doing it for any benefit. But you know one of the things that I do know about agape, or agapon, the action of? Love wants to be returned. You pour yourself out you pour that love out. You don't do it for the benefit, but you do pray that it is returned. If it is seen in me, perhaps it will be seen in those that I have shown it to. Paul wanted that love returned from the Corinthians. They weren't doing so at this time. They were being hard-hearted towards him. And yet he said in verse 11, I've opened my heart wide. I've opened my heart wide. 
And yet they had squeezed him out of theirs. They had closed their heart to him. They had restrained. They had squeezed their own affections for the Apostle Paul. They had squeezed him out. They had allowed the lies of the false, uh, of the false accusations to take that place in their heart and they were believing them. Which is amazing. I don't, I don't care who you are. That's amazing. If you remember, I told you in this text, beginning in verse 14 through chapter 7, verse 1, it talks about separate from these people. And, you know, and I listen to everybody say, well, I should separate from. That's not the context. The context says these people who are lying about me in the church in Corinth, separate from them. Break away from them. Don't be a part of that. They're causing you to restrict your heart with your affections toward me. That's not God glorifying. That's not God glorifying. And that's what the Apostle Paul, you know, I've watched everybody, man, we'll find one cranky person we don't want to be in. And I'm going to exercise this verse. No. False teachers who are bringing false accusations. Separate. That's the context. He had opened his heart. They'd squeezed him out. Why? Because they were buying the lies. Remember, I showed you last week, he was based on truth. So if someone's coming in bringing accusations against the Apostle Paul, then what are they? They're lies. And what happens with lies is the same thing you see going on today. If I say it long enough, enough times, maybe I can get you to believe it. That's why you don't receive an accusation against an elder unless you have two witnesses. I don't even receive the accusations. And I definitely don't go in, well, I heard. I don't care what you've heard. I watch and I see. One of the things that you will see in the body of Christ is still going on very strong today is that you will get an accuser. And what that accuser will try to do is get enough allies together to get their plan on the agenda. And if I can get enough people to listen to me, it's amazing that they can say a lie and all of a sudden that thing will grow. And the other and you can sit and look at the person and say that none of that looks true. But the, they're accusing. It's got to be. There's got to be some basis to it. There isn't. There isn't. It is a lack of love. Okay? That's all it is. Just a lack of love. Okay? Remember what I told you? It does not seek its own. How many times have you... Well, I'm so concerned about you that I need to point out this person's fault. Really? I don't think so. I think you are seeking your own. And we do, we do that. I've watched it. It goes around and around and around and around and around. Everywhere I see it, that's what it does. And I see people doing all kinds of things to try to fix it. 
And, you know, I watch people get mad at churches because of the color of the carpet, color of the paint. This ain't doing this. This ain't doing that. But I'm not seeking my own. See what we do? We can go on and on and on and on. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. You are not giving back the affection that I have given unto you. Your hearts are narrowed for me. Your hearts are set up right now that they have no place for me. They have turned their affections from Paul. Why? They were listening to the liars. And you know what? The Apostle Paul had to deal with this everywhere he went. He come in, give truth, birth a church that non-existent. He didn't come in there with the second Baptist church. He started a place where the gospel had never been named and Christ broke forward. He brought the good news. And shortly after he left, the false would come in and try to discredit him, attack his integrity, so that those who watched God move through this man would believe the lies. And it was done over and over and over and over. Everywhere the Apostle Paul was, they would bring it in. You don't have any affection for me. How can that be? I am your spiritual father. How can that be? How is that possible? Because a lie blinds. See, you want to know evidence of real love? Okay, real love. Real love does not lose its affection. Ever. It's never gone. You can't get rid of it. You can't shake it. It doesn't matter how much you hurt it. It doesn't matter how much you wound it. Real love never loses its affection. Never. You know, when I think about this fellowship, there's some of us in this fellowship have been here for a long time. Some of you have been here all 18 plus years that I've been the preacher. Okay, some of you haven't been here that long. You've come in at different um, intervals. Okay, some just left. Some, their jobs or a situation moved them someplace. Some got mad and left. Okay, and and it's amazing to me because those who have known me the longest are the hardest ones to shake. And I get accused of all kinds of goofy things. But, and I, part of that is the fact that I've been in this community maybe too long. But you get the newer people and they come in and, you know, they, I've been there a whole year. But all of a sudden you may say something. Or the word of God may just pierce them. And all of a sudden it's my fault. 
Okay, and what they will do is they will run around and they will try to get them some allies. Well, I think this, or I think that. And, and it gets goofy. Because if you got a problem with me, let's talk about it. I have never been called unapproachable. All right? But I got news for you. If it's your opinion, remember this. Your opinion is of great value to you, but my opinion is of great value to me. All right? Now, if we got a problem, then we got to ask ourselves, what does the Word of God say? Because opinions are, like I said, everybody's got one. All right? And you know what? Bless your opinion. I'm happy for you. And if I want it, I'll ask you for it. But most of the time when I, and, and I, most of the time that I've had it is truth. Truth has conflicted with something that they either had embraced or were walking in or convinced of or whatever. I ruled truth out. They didn't like the response to it. And they're in light of conflict. Same thing was going on with the Apostle Paul. Except the game Paul was playing was far more deadly than the one that I have to deal with. Because you're looking at an infant church at a place where Christ had never been named. Okay, You've got people who are trying to figure out exactly what is this and how do I validate it. And if you can get somebody comes in to the original founder who laid the foundation, which is Christ Jesus, in that congregation that birthed that church, and I can discredit his testimony, they're wide open for any demonic deception you want to throw. That's why Paul was fighting so furiously. One of the things is, I don't have to fight that furiously this day and age because there's 54 evangelical churches in Castle Rock and they just get mad and go somewhere else. All right? And then they'll go to that church and say, I don't like that pastor because he confronted me or he's, he doesn't agree with psychology or he doesn't agree with this. or he, I don't think he... One of the big things in the community now is Terry hates music. You betcha. <laughs> Ever heard me sing? <laughs> You'd hate music too. Right, but, but you see, I, that's, you know, I'm sitting there going, that's it. That's our biggest qualm in our society today is Terry hates music. Well, gee whiz, what a bummer. Okay, so these are things that I want you to think about because when I think about the return of affection, you have to have the return of affection. When you roll that love out, there should be enough power in the Holy Spirit to have it reciprocated. Okay? That's hard. But you look at the evangelical church today, and this very text is a battle. They have restrained their hearts. Most people go to church to receive affection. I'm going there to get what I can get. It is about me. And when you cross their toes and explain to them that you're giving this so that they will replicate it, they'll go start the next Baptist church. Real love does not lose its affection. Real love. You can't kill it. You can't stop it. Love never fails. 
And you know what? I've seen it abused. The Apostle Paul is a living illustration of the abuse of his love. And he didn't care. Because what I'm talking about is, is that deep in the soul love that God gives. The love of God has been poured in your hearts by the person of the Holy Spirit. That love. You can't kill it. Doesn't mean you can't hurt it. Doesn't mean you can't wound it. Doesn't mean you can't make it weep. But you can't stop it. Now then, when you have that love, okay, and I, I'm, it's got to be supernatural. Got to be supernatural. Okay, because if you've ever seen a family go through divorce, it is amazing that two people who are in such love, they get a divorce. Why is there such anger? If you had so much love. Remember a guy one time told me, he says, you know how uh, the width of a hair, that's how much is the distance there is between love and hate. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then I started watching things go wrong in, my, in the life that I've lived. I'm like, boy, it sure seems that way. That ain't the love I'm talking about. I'm talking about the love of God poured in your heart by the person of the Holy Spirit. When you have that love, you will feel affection deeply. And part of feeling that is you want it reciprocated. Okay, now now I want you to be real. I, I need to be real specific about this. It's not that the Apostle Paul is tolerating their sin. Okay, because I've heard all of that psycho junk. You know, love the sinner, don't love the sin. And gee whiz. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Paul's not tolerating error. That is not loving. Tolerating sin is not loving. When I'm talking about spiritual love that Christ has called us to. You look at the Apostle Paul. Did he discipline the Corinthians? Did he correct the Corinthians? He says, I didn't mean to cause you sorrow, but if it brings you to repentance, then I meant to cause you sorrow. Sounds good to me. But even in disciplining and in correction, it never stands in the way of the affection of God's love. Listen, Jesus Christ hung on a cross. He showed us his affection that come out of his love. And yet we were still denying him. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us. Let me, let me show you a verse because sometimes we... This is a funny verse. People don't really pay attention to it. I don't think they want to pay attention to it because it is sort of like a what verse. Because you hear about it. Jesus is love. God is love. His grace is mercy. Oh, He's so loving. He gave His only Son. Oh, He's so fuzzy and warm and cuddly. Okay? That's the way that God is projected right now. You go to any church, that's the way it's going to be. But if you got an expositor who takes off and starts explaining books, he's going to run into some problems. Here's a problem. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 5. You have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. 
nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Okay, that's not so bad. Read the next line. He scourges every son whom he receives. Do you know what scourging is? That ain't shaking your finger in their face. That is a leather straps with metal tied on the end of it with a wood handle and he rips the hide off of you. So what happened to loving, cuddly Jesus? But you know what? You read that, there's one thing I can tell you. It doesn't dampen his affection for us because it is his affection for us that he would even do that. For, or it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which you have all become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline, <laughs> scourging, for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Okay, so the scourging, the discipline that comes from God, though it is painful, does not stop the affection from God. That's good stuff. We discipline our kids and our kids don't like it. And yet they will grow up understanding that, you know, it was for their protection, for their correction, so that they would have the peace of righteousness. That's pretty cool when you think about it. But if you're in the middle of the disciplining and God is scourging you, it just doesn't seem that cool, does it? Paul, I guess, and it would be probably the greatest understatement I can ever make, Paul felt deeply for the Corinthians. He would give his life for the Corinthians. And they were a bunch of knotheads. I don't care what you do. I mean, they were self-seeking, egotistical, following liars. Other than that, they weren't bad people. Supernatural love will include our own affections. It becomes one with us of who we are. Our affection is shown. When you love someone, you feel for that person, right? Paul says, you shut me out. I'm not in your hearts. You do not feel for me. You have no affection for me. You have restrained your affection. And I think about the heartache that brings. 
I feel for them. My affection is so massive for them. My heart is wide open for them. And you have squeezed me out. That's amazing. But it happens. You think about it for a second. How many times have you turned on somebody for no reason whatsoever? But at the time, that's a big reason. But when you look back on it, really, was it? I can show you the text to separate. Because they were a false teacher trying to lead people to hell. That's therefore I separated from them. You know what happens if you have an unrepenting believer in a church? What you're supposed to do? Yeah, you kick them out. (laughs) That's so cute. I love it when we say that. Read the rest of it. You treat them as an unbeliever. How do I treat them as an unbeliever? Give them the gospel. That's what you do. You don't let them take the Lord's table with you. You don't let them be a part of the fellowship. But you don't ever stop praying for their salvation and repentance. Pray that God will bring them to repentance. And make them not being used as a tool of the devil in the body of Christ. Paul told Timothy. I will just kick them out. I'm taking them off my mailing list. Ain't getting no Christmas card for me. Ain't nobody gets a Christmas card from me. Sorry. It's not really a punishment, is it? What can I say? Couldn't read my handwriting. But see, that's the stuff that you and I have to pay attention to. You know what? When the love of God has been poured into your heart, you will be overwhelmed by your affections for other people. You know, that was an amazing thing about me. You know, everybody says, well, how do you know you're saved? Because I like people. (laughs) What? I never used to. I like to be by myself. I mean, I had to tolerate it. You know, people are around. It's kind of hard to get away from. But as I got drawn and understood what ministry was, guess what I was supposed to be dealing with? People. Well, I don't like that idea, Lord. Let me go be a monk. That don't work. And then it dawned on me, once you step into that venue, how exposed your heart is to the hurt people can give you. And I, you know, and I've, I've been through some things that, you know, I don't want to really get into. But, you know, I remember talking to some of my pastor buddies and they would say, well, you know, you just got to remember that they're attacking Christ and don't take it personally. So I'd ask them, did you take it personally? I said, well, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because you have your affections in there with the supernatural love of God in there. And you're sticking that out there like that. And people are going to say, I want that as long as I don't have to give it back. And yet you're giving it out there because your deep affections for it is you want to see them have that same affection because then you know the love of God is working with their emotions and their affections and it's being reciprocated to those who are around them. And you see proof of true supernatural intervention into the hearts and souls of humans. It's real clear. It's pretty amazing actually. Because I know that I did not like people. 
And, and people don't understand it. I, no, I'm not kidding you. I'm You may not believe this. I could have been somewhere all by myself, never to see another human being and would never have lost one week of sleep. Nor would I have thought I missed something. That's how I lived my life before Christ said, you're mine. I kept telling him, I said, you know, them people that killed your son, right? And if I get involved in people, they're going to hurt me, too. And it's going to be your fault. He said, I'll take care of it. You see what I'm trying to get at? The Apostle Paul understood this. He had poured himself into these Corinthian people and he had been gone for about two years and 18. Yeah, about two years. And all of a sudden, these liars had come in behind him saying, you know what? Paul doesn't really love you. He used you. Mercy. How could they see that in the Apostle Paul? But see, the church would have grown numerically. These people would have been preaching the gospel. More people would have been coming in. There'd be some people in there who knew that Paul had started this church, had never met Paul. And all of a sudden, you get a false teacher who comes in and says, he just used you. He manipulated you so he could get favors. That's all he was there for. That's why he moved on. He was only here for, what, 18 months. He's gone on to Ephesus. Ephesus got more money than you. That's why they're taking care of him. That's what they're going to say. I know, I, I know how this works. And the Apostle Paul had to remind him, didn't I work day and night around you? House to house. So I never took nothing from you. And you know what? He's a lot nicer than me because I said, are you that stupid? Paul says, I cannot shut you out of mine. I cannot squeeze you out of my heart. Even though you've hurt me, hurt me, even though you've wounded me, even though you've caused me tears, I can't shut my heart to you. Why? Because of my strong feelings. Because of my affections. I can't restrain you because of my affections. And yet you have restrained your affections for me. Listen. That is evidence of love. Okay? Love is a verb. If it's a verb, then it has to be seen. You, you, you throw affection into it. Understand this. You cannot love from a distance. Okay. You're always going to be involved. Okay. You know, I have, uh, I went out and got me one of them things. They call it a Facebook thing. And I got it for three reasons. Pastor Paul, Pastor Philip, Pastor Valeri. Now it's grown up a little bit. Everybody's look, he's on Facebook. Uh, and they're all saying, why aren't you sending pictures? Oh, I don't know how. <laughs> Sorry. I got it so I could stay in contact with these pastors. But if Pastor Valeri can send me a picture, there's got to be a way I can figure it out. Because I've been there. They're still on dial-up. Okay? So I, if he can get a picture on dial-up, I bet I can get one off my phone. <laughs> but anyway. I got on that because those men in Russia, Pastor Philip and Pastor Paul and, and Myanmar, and um, I have a great affection for those men. But I can honestly say it is more for Pastor Paul and Pastor Valeri. Why? I spend more time with them. 
I only had about a week or so with Pastor Philip. But I have an affection for him. Why? They are like-minded men. So therefore, the evidence of supernatural love is seen. Valeria don't speak English. I don't speak Russian. It is a very complicated communications. He sends me a note on my Facebook account. I have to forward it to SGA so they can translate it and they have to send it back to me. Then I have to send it back to SGA so they can translate my response in Russian and they send it. And then I'll send it back to Pastor Valeri. But we do it. Okay, now, Pastor Paul's easier. He, he's got American down. Pastor Phillip's got American down, so I can do that. But we do it based on our affections. Affection isn't from a distance. You have it. It's evidence of love. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Listen, if you're saved, how has come you're shutting me out of your hearts? And then if you think about it, in verse 14 through 7, 1, he deals with the people that you shut out of your hearts. False teachers. You shut them out. Don't listen to them. Don't spend your time with them. Separate from them. That's not complicated. Why? Because they will stain your clothes. So Jude said. Don't waste your time with them. And somebody tells me something that is not biblically true. I said, that's not biblically true. It's not hard. No, it's not true. Next. I ain't going to sit there and try to... Listen, you want to keep following the lies, follow the lies. That's what he's trying to tell the Corinthians. If you love me, the Spirit of God has poured His love in your heart and you love me, why are you closing me out of your heart? Okay, you know, in my case, I've been accused of being a false teacher. Uh, I was accused of being an antichrist. Oh, well. But you know what? That means that they've just shut me out of their hearts and I don't probably need to listen to them anyway. It's like if you see a car accident, why does everybody slow down if you're not involved in it? Because it's bad. What if there's, it's just bad. If you're dealing with a whole bunch of people, okay, and everybody that you're dealing with thinks you're the bee's knees, but one. And they're contentious and they're always picking at you. Who do you give most of your thinking processes to and your efforts to? The one negative. Why? Why? That's silly. Well, you don't understand. It's like Jesus said, he's got 99 sheep and one runs off. You go after the one. That's salvation. That ain't what's got nothing to do with what I just described to you. Okay? No, I'm not. I got one person who wants to badmouth me. Knock yourself out. Stand in line. I've got a list. And that's what you and I have to understand because we pour our affection out and we do it expecting it to be returned. If I'm pouring it out to a person who refuses to return it, I'm not really going to waste a lot of time with them. Why? Because I have other people that I can pour that love out on and it won't hurt my heart as bad. That's what the Apostle Paul's telling the Corinthians. How can you have shut me out? 
after what I've done, how can you shut me out? So when you think about love, understand, first and foremost, truth. I believe, therefore I spoke. Second thing is, it has affection to it. And that affection is seen. It is a heart that is wide open. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. But Father, I I thank you especially this day for your love that you have poured into our hearts. Father, it is an overwhelming, supernatural amazement to me. And yet, Lord, it is your work. It still is amazing to me. Father, may we, who are called by your name, in all humility, seek not our own. Seek only your kingdom and your righteousness. And Father, rejoice as you add all things unto us. But Father, I pray, I pray that this amazing, powerful love that you have given us is seen in our day-to-day moments, our day-to-day lives. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this text. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you what you'll accomplish. And it will be to your glory. It will be to your praise. In Christ's name, amen.